Deep inside every one of us is a lion waiting to be unleashed. Are you ready to be unleashed into your destiny? As we stand on the edge of time, the web of deception is being unraveled. Carl Joseph offers you the red pill and the keys to unlock the shackles of your mind. Get ready to be transformed by God's supernatural power. Let's join him now. Today I'm going to talk to you, friend, about the names of God, and certainly within this theme of names, there are the names of God in English, then there's the Hebrew names of the names of God, then there's about 33 names for the Holy Spirit alone in Scripture, and finally, for Christ alone, there's 117 names for Him as well. So it's quite an extensive subject to cover in such a short broadcast. I will certainly discuss these other names at another time, so stay tuned for that, but today we'll focus directly upon Upon the names of God the Father. Now we no longer hold names in high esteem as humanity once did in times of antiquity. Back in the day, a name really meant something. You were granted a name by your parents because in biblical times it was arguably a prophetic expression of what the child would become or achieve in his or her lifetime. Names usually therefore identified the character or nature of the person. In the case of Adam, for example, he was given the unique role of naming all the animals according to their nature in Genesis chapter 2, 19 through 20. And some mistakenly think that God actually named the animals, but no, Adam did, and he did so based on their attributes. Noah means one who brings relief and comfort, which certainly came true in the role of building an ark to save all mankind from judgment by God. Jesus means Savior, for example. It wasn't his first name only. It means Savior, and Christ wasn't his last name either. It means Messiah or the Anointed One. Revealing character and destiny, personal names therefore can encapsulate hopes for a child's future. Now in biblical tradition, the task of naming a child generally fell to the mother, but could also be performed by the father on occasion, and in exceptional cases, by non-parental figures or even by God himself. The naming of a child typically took place near birth in the Old Testament, and on the eighth day typically accompanying circumcision in the New Testament. When a person was given a new role or a radical change took place in his life, a new name was sometimes granted by God to indicate this new phase of his life, or his new identity, for example. So in the case of Abram, his name is a composite of Ab, which means father, and Ram, which means exalted. But the Ram may also mean the departed. Therefore, this is an apt description of the man that departed his father's house and left the land of Ur of the Chaldees in Genesis 12.1. Later, of course, Abram became Abraham, meaning father of many nations. In the case of Jacob, he became Israel after wrestling with God and with men, as Israel does in fact mean one who strives with God. But also note that Jacob means supplanter, trickster, or deceitful. In the case of Israel, the first part of the word Isra of Israel means to prevail, and it also meant great in number, which was indeed the promise given to Israel in Genesis 35.10, when God promised him, Your name is Jacob, your name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be your name, and he called him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of your loins, and the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, to you I will give it, and to your seed after you will I give the land. 
Another prime example of a significant name change would be Saul of Tarsus becoming the Apostle Paul. But there's an interesting observation when it comes to the Apostle Peter in particular. We know that Peter means rock, which was a prophetic utterance by Jesus of what Peter would become. But Jesus also called Peter Simon, son of Jonah. Now, Jonah means dove. So Peter was a son of a dove. The dove was characteristic of Simon's gentle nature when he betrayed Jesus three times, but later became Peter the Rock, who did mighty works for the Lord when he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Also, the rock upon which Christ would found his church was the spoken rhema word by Peter that Christ was indeed the Messiah. Peter was not the first Pope friend, as the Vatican claims. There is no record or proof of this whatsoever. It is traditionally believed that Peter was crucified in Rome and buried where the Basilica of St. Peter was later built, beneath the high altar. In 1939, the Vatican announced that the bones of Peter had been found in Rome during an archaeological dig. But this was done in total secrecy. And indeed, there is no way of verifying that these bones are in fact those of the Apostle Peter. Beware, friend, when people do things in secret, because they're usually trying to hide something. The opinion that Peter ever visited Rome is mere legend and conjecture at best, and the New Testament does not support this. Now in the Bible, God has revealed his names to us, but these names really express his divine nature or character in the same way that people's names express their essence, as I discussed. In the scriptures, the names and persons of God are inseparable. God uses many names to reveal himself. In fact, as we study the names of God together, it will reveal more about him and his attributes. Now there are various types of names that God employs, and they can be broken down into about five categories. God uses proper names like El or Yahweh or Adonai. Also personal names like Abba, Father, Son, Jesus, etc. Then we have titles like Messiah or Paraclete or Comforter. Then we have essential names which are light, love, spirit, etc. And finally descriptive names like the Rock, the Shepherd, the Master, etc. Now let's turn our attention to the names of God specifically. In considering the various names, titles, or descriptions of Him in the Old Testament, there are three words of basic importance. El, Lohim, and Yahweh. The divine name Yahweh is usually translated in English versions of the Bible because it became a practice in the Old Testament Judaism not to pronounce the sacred name Yahweh, but to instead say, My Lord, or Adonai a practice still used today in the synagogue. When the vowels of Adonai were attached to the consonants of Yahweh in the medieval period, the word Jehovah resulted. Today, many Christians use the word Yahweh, the more original pronunciation, not hesitating to name the divine name since Jesus taught believers to speak in a familiar way to God. The influence of the King James Version on the English language, however, and the influence of Christianity on Western culture resulted in the pronunciation Jehovah coming to be an accepted English name for the God of the Bible. The English name Jehovah for the God of Israel is a pronunciation of the Tetragrammaton, or the four-letter proper name for God used in the Old Testament. Now, the meaning of the name Yahweh may best be summarized as present to act. The revelation of the name is given to Moses when God said in Exodus 3.14, I am who I am, or the great I am. 
Friend, God is who you need him to be and provides everything you crave in this lifetime. When God revealed himself to Moses, he did so as a covenant-keeping God. In other words, a God who keeps his promises. And he's the same today as he was back then. Nothing has changed, friend, only the way man has perceived God. But his promises still hold true because he's the very same God. Now, Yahweh is distinctly the proper name of God and most prominent. In its purest form, it means Lord. This name, Yahweh, reveals God's nature in the highest and fullest sense possible. It includes the meaning of the other names. Yahweh particularly stresses the absolute faithfulness of God. It appears 6,823 times in the Old Testament, and it's used 164 times in Genesis alone. Now, oftentimes in Scripture, God would reveal himself in different forms or aspects of his benevolence. And I'm going to share them with you now. I'm going to go through the compound names of God with you right now. I want you to get a hold of this, friend. Each time God revealed himself in the Old Testament, he revealed another facet of his being and a promise that we can get a hold of today. Number one, Jehovah Jireh. The name is translated as the Lord will provide, commemorating the provision of the ram in place of Isaac for Abraham's sacrifice. The Lord is your provider, friend. He will provide for you. Enter today into trusting him for your provision. You can rest assured as you sow seed and tithe your income, God will provide for you. Just as Abraham is willing to sacrifice, he sees your sacrifice and will honor it. Number two, Jehovah Nissi. The name means the Lord is my banner and is the name that Moses called on when he built an altar celebrating Israel's God-given victory over the Amalekites. Isaiah uses the term Nisi when speaking of the coming Messiah who is to be the conqueror. Now a banner was a large piece of cloth attached by one end to a staff and used by a monarch or leader as his standard in battle. Friend, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Exodus 14, 14 says the Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. The Lord has his banner draped over you today, friend. He has gone before you and won the battle for you. You need to rest in the victory of the triumphant church and enforce the authority and power that he has already won for you. Number three, Jehovah Shalom. The phrase means the Lord is peace. The name Gideon gave the altar that he built in Ophrah in Judges 6:24 friend god has provided us with perfect peace if our mind is steadfast on him we are admonished to cast our care because he cares for us and christ also left peace with us as an abiding presence and a mark of our salvation let peace be your umpire today friend Number four, Jehovah Shammah. The phrase expresses the truth that the Lord is there, referring to the city which the prophet Ezekiel saw in his vision. Friend, the Lord is ever-present in a time of need. He said he'd never leave you nor forsake you. The Holy Spirit is your comforter, friend, and you're never alone if you're in Christ Jesus. Number five, Jehovah Sabaoth. This means the Lord of hosts and was used in the days of David and the prophets witnessing to the almighty God of sovereign power who is surrounded by heavenly hosts. Right now, friend, there is an army of angels at the beck and call of the Lord. They operate as we stand on God's word. In fact, the scripture says that angels in Psalm 103 verse 20, bless the Lord, you angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Friend, God's hosts hearken to the spoken word of God and they do the Lord's commands. God is the ultimate commander in chief of the heavenly hosts. It's a military title. It signifies that God is equal to any adversary and well able to achieve victory in any circumstance. 
Number six, Jehovah Rapha, the healer, appearing in Exodus 15:26, when Israel is assured that God is their healer. He will prevent the diseases of Egypt from afflicting Israel. Although the name is only used once, God was often called upon and praised as the healing one. Friend, God has been and always will be a healing God. Number seven, Jehovah Rohai, appears in Psalm 23, where the concept of Yahweh is that he is a shepherd. He is a good shepherd who watches over the sheep. Jesus demonstrated this concept's full meaning when he, as a shepherd, gave his life for the sheep. And he is, of course, the good shepherd, and we can hear his voice. And finally, number eight, Jehovah Sidkenu. This is the name by which Messiah shall be known. The Lord is our righteousness. Friend, because we are seated in heavenly places with Christ, we too have been made righteous by the blood of the Lamb. It's not something that we have done. It's something that Jesus did for us. We just need to take a hold of it. We just need to appropriate it. Friend, I hope a deeper understanding of the names of God today helped you realize that He is all that you need in this life. God has covered every aspect of your wants and needs because He's revealed them in various forms of His names. And God gave Jesus a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Friend, I hope you enjoyed the names of God today. And, you know, there's a lot of names out there. In fact, there are 20 major names in the Old Testament, and I only covered eight today. But there's a whole bunch more out there. And if you want to learn more, please go to our website. That's carljosephministries.com. Click on blog, and then you'll see articles, parts one and two of the names of God. And uh, I would urge you to check that out. If you enjoyed the broadcast and want to know a little bit more about it, um, you can study that in your own time. And there's also an 11 additional names that are mentioned briefly in commentaries, but not at length. So that's 31 names of God in total. So um, check it out in your own time. You've been listening to Carl Joseph and the Lions Unchained podcast. Carl is a minister who's witnessed God's supernatural power to save, heal, and deliver. Carl is a unique researcher who investigates current affairs, societal trends, technology, cults, and end-time events, all through a biblical lens. Every Monday, new podcasts are uploaded, so stay tuned for the next opportunity to roar into victory. Check out carljosephministries.com for exciting articles, teachings, and discussion points. See you next week. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button 